The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange traded funds, you are in the right place. Every week, we bring you compelling interviews, thoughtful market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm Seema Modi, filling in for Bob Bassani. Today on the show, we'll drill down on the AI craze and talk to one man who just launched an ETF that aims to be the world's first pure play generative AI ETF. We'll discuss who's riding the AI hype train and whether it's here to stay. Plus, will fixed income and non-U.S. equity ETFs continue to win the day come June? We'll hear what two experts have to say about what's ahead this summer. Here's my conversation with Dave Maza, Chief Strategy Officer at Round Hill Investments, and John Davi, founder and CEO of Astoria Portfolio Advisors. John, first to you. Help us break down some of the flows you're seeing right now. Despite the big run-up in tech stocks, large-cap ETFs have surprisingly seen outflows this year. So explain why that is. Yeah, I, I think there's like if I'm defining 2023, I see kind of three big trends. First is you've got, you know, bonds that on a per unit risk basis are attractive relative to, say, broad based U.S. equities. Why? Front end rates are trading very high, right? Fed has jacked up interest rates. You can clip, you know, a T bill and get 5%, take no risk, right? So that's troubling for stocks, let's say, in the U.S. Um, so as a result, you've got, you know, 82 billion of inflows into bonds. You know, equity ETFs have only taken in like 55 billion of inflows, right? That's a very, you know, big difference from what we used to seeing in prior years. The second big trend that I see is this, you know, kind of non-U.S. over U.S., right? So let's talk about U.S., right? I think the macro picture in the U.S. is a little bit murky, right? You've got this bifurcation in some of the macro data, right? Some macro data is good, some of it not so good, right? So I think like, you know, the international markets are much further behind the interest rate cycle and the inflation cycle. So as a result, you know, you, you, you tend to see a lot of flows into non-US uh, ETFs, right? So 40 billion into non-US in aggregate, whereas, you know, US broad base is only taken in like 14 billion. Some of these single country ETFs like EWI, EWP, EWG, right? These are single country European ETFs. They're up 15%, right? The one we use, IHDG, um, which is kind of broad developed international markets is up, you know, 11%, right? You know, the U.S. is is basically, you know, the, the, the broad-based S&P is being driven by seven stocks, right? And we're going to talk about that with Dave, with his product. But, you know, so it's just a lot cleaner in the non-U.S. market. The final thing I, I would say is like this rotation out of value, you know, into growth. And I think, you know, we're starting to see like, you know, these energy ETFs, 8 billion of outflows, Broad-based tech, not a lot of inflows relative to the move, but you really got to, you know, break down tech and you start to see the semis have taken in some inflows. Uh, but broad-based, you know, I would say like when I look at the Qs, which is the big institutional product that people are going to trade, you know, in size to get risk on, risk off, you could, it trades like water. You know, that's taken in like, that's seen about two and a half billion of outflows. And even if I start adding in like the levered Qs and then, you know, the mini Q, which is QM, there's just not a lot of inflows into tech on a relative basis relative to that 30% move in the Qs year to date. So okay. that's how I define kind of what, what I'm seeing on the flow front. And Dave, what are you watching as we head into the summer? Next big catalyst, especially as the dust hopefully settles on the debt ceiling negotiations. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think John hit a few, a few topics which are relevant here. I've defined this market 2023 as a haves and have-nots market. And we've seen this across sectors, across industries, and really across the globe. And the haves are companies that are really scooping up all the interest. We're obviously seeing it with AI, um, exposed companies versus non. We're seeing it with growth, beating value by 22% year to date. Um, technology sector trouncing energy. And a lot of this has to do with the interest rate environment. We were in a, in a time with zero interest rates where a rising tide lifted all boats. You could pick a sector, you could pick a stock, and you, you may outperform. It didn't matter as much. Now fundamentals and the macro matters significantly. And, and going forward, I think this is going to only continue to be the case, which is why investors likely need to be more selective here. I think we've been fortunate that volatility has been low. Hopefully, this debt ceiling is just another debacle. I think up until today, the market has really ignored it um, for the most part. We obviously have a vote this evening, which is going to be relevant. Um, but usually, time and time again, barring some exogenous event, we move on from it. And then markets begin to really focus on the data. And to John's point, it's been a bit, a bit mixed. Tech and communication services have been the big winners in the month of May, powered in large part by a surge in enthusiasm over AI. More and more ETF issuers are getting in the game, rolling out new products that offer exposure to AI-centric companies, an especially timely endeavor after a number of tech stocks, including NVIDIA, row the AI hype train to new highs last week. NVIDIA just topping the $1 trillion mark in the overall market cap. Roundhill Investments has just expanded its lineup of thematic offerings by launching a new generative AI ETF, ticker CHAT. And Dave, you run that fund. Your goal here is to make this ETF sort of a pure play product. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, happy to do so. So the chat ETF and the ticker is CHAT um, is focused on companies that are at the forefront of generative AI. The term AI has been around for a while. There's existing ETFs focused on AI and robotics, but nothing on the killer app, which is the generative AI and ChatGPT. It's the fastest growing application to 100 million users, faster than Uber, TikTok, and really all, all the applications and technologies that we take for granted at this point. Um, and what we're doing is looking to seek out those companies. Investors will see around 25 to 50. There's around 30, and 30 names in the portfolio today that are focused on generative AI. And so there's going to be uh, names like NVIDIA, which is providing the chips that are required for this revolution. Names like Microsoft, uh, of course, which has an investment in open AIs uh, uh, itself. And then other names, C3AI, which is an uh, AI-exposed company. You're going to see, of course, uh, in the top five holdings, a name like Alphabet with their working with their Bard and AMD, another chip maker. But if you actually go down the list, there's going to be many names that are smaller, uh, more mid-cap, more mid perhaps even some micro-cap companies in there that have that AI exposure. This is an area that's going to get a lot of attention. We already are seeing it. Look at the valuation multiples of NVIDIA. But these companies, we believe, are not just a fad. They're powering something that could be as ubiquitous as the internet itself and as um, uh, something like the iPhone. And it's not just us saying this. Uh, it's research firms like Goldman Sachs and others and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies who are working on their AI strategies today so that they're not left behind in the future. 
John, what do you think? Do you foresee real investor appetite for these more targeted ETFs rather than exposure to the watered-down ETFs that are largely concentrated in mega-cap tech names? Are, are these enough or good alternatives? Well, so I like a lot of the stocks in, in Day's ETF, and we own a lot of them in our quantitative stock portfolios. I think, like, when I look at, like, you know, the chat ETF, like, you know, the key there is, like, a lot of those companies are profitable, right? I think, like, two, three years ago, it was all about disruptive growth, you know, those were unprofitable tech companies, right? Small kind of micro cap, mid cap, you know, not a lot, like hopes and dream stocks. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of the stocks that, you know, in Dave's ETF, like these, are, you know, these are the big bellwethers, right? So if you can get like a, a much more narrowed focused way to kind of play it, like I'm a supporter of it. So uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot more ETFs to come in this space. I mean, there's at least four or five that have the word AI in the ETF name. Mm -hmm. And then there's countless others that give you exposure to the semiconductors. But, you know, this is what the industry, the ETF industry does, right? It launches a lot of products. And, you know, you got to really look under the hood and make sure you're getting that exposure to this generative AI. And, you know, Dave's firm seems to be doing that pretty well so far. So. Dave, are there any uh, regulatory hurdles along the way? We just saw a statement released by the Center for AI Safety signing by, signed by more than 350 leaders, researchers, engineers, warning about the risk of extinction if things uh, get out of hand. Yeah, I think we are we're still at the early stages uh, of seeing generative AI expanded to areas where you could see impact negatively on humanity or the world itself. As of right now, and I think John raises a great point, the companies that, are, that you're going to find in, in this portfolio are highly profitable companies with existing revenue streams. And in, in many cases, like NVIDIA, moats around their businesses on the AI side, on generative AI side, that other companies are going to have a hard time disrupting. So we're not talking about hopes and dreams, some theme or fad that could happen 30 years in the future, uh, which may change the world. This is happening today. Uh, grandmas and grandpas, college students can all use ChatGPT. It's so easy to use. It's ubiquitous. And so, yeah, time will tell. Regulations may come into this space. But I think people are realizing that this isn't necessarily displacing what uh, workers can do or what we can do as consumers. It's complementing it. I heard a great quote, actually, uh, coming out of a, a, a company saying what ChatGPT can do or what I should say generative AI and large language models can do is make everyone a power user. And how, how great is that? Uh, I might just not necessarily need to have expertise in that, in that particular technology or that space, but I can lean on this as an assistant, as sort of a chatbot to help me make better decisions, whether that's in the medical field uh, or working on an insurance claim. John, when you think about AI, is it a sustainable long-term bet in this market? I mean, Goldman just came out with a note today saying they believe AI could add $7 trillion to annual global GDP over the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, technology, you know, is going to make everyone much more productive, you know, streamline your workflow. Uh, some of these mundane, you know, routine systematic tasks that would take a human to do, you know, it's probably just better off using chat GBT. So even internally in our firm, I'm starting to encourage everyone to, okay, you know, let's, you know, let's try and use chat GBT just to kind of streamline our processes. So I, I don't think it's a fad per se, but I'd be remiss, Seema, if I did not say as a kind of global macro investor that pays lots of fundamentals, you know, I am kind of concerned about some of the fundamentals of some of these stocks because I think a lot of it's in the price. 
So, you know, just be careful. Like, again, we own some of these stocks in the chat ETF, but, you know, we've either been long them for a, a while and we've been the beneficiary of, of this move of late. But, you know, to be buying it now, like, you just have to pay attention to fundamentals and what price you're getting in at. Good advice on both sides. That's it for today. I'm Seema Modi, filling in for Bob Bassani. Thank you for listening and make sure you tune in next week. In the meantime, you can tweet us your questions or topic ideas at ETF Edge CNBC. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Become an agent of innovation. Invesco QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.